Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Today being recorded from the Victory Services Club, um, just opposite Hyde Park really, right at the end of Oxford Street and, and uh, at the top of Park Lane. Um, a wonderful facility, look them up, uh, www.vsc.co.uk is their website. Uh, and a big thank you to the hospitality, the events and the marketing team at the venue for hosting us today. Um, on with today's episode and we welcome to Talking Events, Tim Groot. Tim is the co-founder and CEO of Grip. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having um, me. We're going to be talking today about artificial intelligence, about the service and the product that you provide through Grip yep. um, and its application within the event industry and how it integrates with event tech. Let's talk a little bit first of all about, about the company. Tell us what Grip do and the services that it supplies. Yeah, sure. Um, so w we, we launched Grip in April 2015 and really saw that um, there was a need for a smarter way to connect people at events. And that's why we built the first artificial intelligence powered matchmaking engine uh, that is now being used by very large events such as Ken Lyons, uh, World Economic Forum, uh, read exhibition shows have used us. Um, so we have a wide range of trade shows, conferences, forums that are using our technology to connect their attendees in a more efficient and effective way. And is that technology deployed via your own app platforms or, or web platforms? How does it actually work in, in terms of people accessing it? So th there is a, a various ways that, that people can access it. We have our own Grip app, we do branded apps, and we uh, actually only last month launched our API, um, which means that uh, event app providers, but also uh, websites such as uh, learning and development platforms or completely different industries of the recruitment industry can actually connect into our matchmaking engine and use it uh, as, as an API side service. So that means that, um, for example, ITO Mobile, an event app provider from, from the States, uh, can simply have have an extra feature in their app where um, smart intelligent matchmaking is available from from directly from our API. And let's let's perhaps put it in in I suppose simple terms for for people listening to this who have heard the term artificial intelligence and the term itself has been around for a long long time. Yeah. But really, I suppose it's perhaps only in the last few years that we've reached a point in technology where we have the ability to to really deploy artificial intelligence in some sense. Yeah. Um, when we say artifi artificial intelligence, what is the GRIP service actually doing? Yeah, so it, it's, an, it's a very interesting question. I, I get asked this quite a bit of what is AI and how do you use it? But I think for us, AI is that uh, it takes sensory inputs. So for example, data is, a, is, an, is an input mechanism. Uh, and then instead of just displaying it on a dashboard or whatever kind of analytics we, we talk about nowadays, uh, artificial intelligence is about the component of reasoning. So it takes uh, data as an input and is able to reason and form uh, actions based on that reasoning. So it does it itself, and that's exactly what we do. So we take people's networking behavior, uh, as in within, within, within the app, and take their, their social profile. And based on that, our system reasons what it thinks is going to be the user's networking uh, intent and what it wants to achieve at an event. And that's what we use to recommend the right people. And so whenever a user takes a, a next action, um, so whenever it, it, it swipes someone or whatever, it sends a message to someone, uh, we take that uh, information and our system reasons upon that and recommends the, the correct next person based on that feedback. Now, presumably then, the system is only as good as the information 
that it's fed, i.e. the quality of the data and the amount of information that's going into it will provide better results ultimately. So is it important that any event organizers listening to this podcast today and, and, and exploring the idea of AI and what a service like this could do for them to improve the engagement and the interactivity amongst their, their delegates, is it important that they're still driving the content and getting people to interact with all the various elements of their event rather than just relying on something like this to do the work for them? So, the, well, of course, I think that networking overall is an experience and we are part of that experience. So I think that like an event is an experience and we are kind of a part of that that makes it makes the overall experience better. But so if you think about the data that we use in that respect, we only take the the, the, the information that is available through the event app. So let's say uh, an organizer has, has an event app, uses our feature for the networking component, then we only take the data that comes through that specific feature. So we don't take the data from the rest of the event. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's all we need. It's kind of like, there's a power law in terms of how much data you need and of course, how, what kind of improvements. You wanted to predict earthquakes. Well, you could take uh, like a 100 years of data or you could take uh, 200 years, but there is kind of like a point where the improvements are only marginal. And I think that with a LinkedIn login and some, some basic data, we have enough in order to start like facilitating connections. Um, there are an awful lot of, of app providers for, for events now yeah. in the marketplace, and it's a fiercely competitive marketplace. You mentioned that you launched the API that will allow the Grip service to be integrated into other platforms. Is that really where you you see the sort of the big development happening for the, for the company and being able to expand yourselves into lots of different marketplaces by working with other organizations? Yes, yeah, we, we, we definitely look at event app uh, providers as, uh, as partners. So we've partnered with several of them and are always looking for more. But I think that on the one hand, it's a very competitive market. Um, but I think what is also the case is that every event app provider tries to focus on a specific type of market. For example, loops and attendees uh, to uh, US-based uh, events are provided that we work with, work with a lot of corporates, whereas Gumeo, a f French provider, um, is working with a lot of trade shows. Mm -hmm. ITL Mobile does a lot of associations and conferences. So every event provider kind of has its own best use case, and that's kind sure. of how we look at it as well. It's like, I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all, yeah. uh, and that's why we're happy to partner with as, as many as possible, really. What's the incentive for them to use the GRIP AI platform and integrate it with their own apps compared to actually going out and maybe developing their own? How complicated is this? It might, may sound like a, a bit of a stupid question, but for people who, who don't understand the complications involved with AI, how, how long was the process to bring Grip to market? So we've been working on this for, for one and a half years um, with a team of uh, everybody except for me and the team uh, has uh, a degree related to artificial intelligence. Um, and that's like five engineers. Um, so there is a big team that is working on this for a very long time. They have a lot of experience in using several of those technologies. So it's, it's very, very complicated to design a system that can take this input level and actually do something useful with it. And um, I think that's also one of the reasons that we see this being a natural fit because an individual event provider simply does not have the, the, the power to be able to mm -hmm. learn fast enough and actually design the correct experience. How much information and input was sourced from event professionals themselves? How much was sourced from event app providers whilst the development of, of GRIP was, was ongoing? Because um, presumably you needed to take some direction as to what sort of service you would ultimately be providing to the market. 
Yeah, definitely, it's a good point. So it actually comes a lot from, from our own experience that Brent Hogeman, the founder of um, lastminute.com and, and Founders Forum, a, a very well-known um, kind of like the World Economic Forum for the tech scene, it's been called. Mm -hmm. um, and that's based on his experience there and my uh, experience in going to events, realized, all right, there needs to be a better way for, for people to network. But we, we actively work now with uh, event organizers from, from, from Read Exhibitions, UBM, and many of the big big providers to make sure that we take our company in the right direction and make sure that um, the, the matchmaking engine matches people on the right uh, parameters. How adaptable is it from event to event? Um, you've already alluded to the fact that, that the app providers themselves work in certain sectors and have strengths in certain yeah. areas, and that only serves to highlight further the fact that every event is completely different. So events will want different things and they will want their delegates and their visitors to interact in different ways. How adaptable is the grip service when it's either being used via your own app or even via uh, as an API into somebody else's? So the, f the interesting thing is that actually we call people on our system are called things because we look at it in such a broad perspective that we're not necessarily only meaning attendees and exhibitors, but it could also be books or companies or um, candidates for a job post or like there is so many different ways that we could be matching with the system that we're building mm -hmm. the important thing is is that we're building a matchmaking engine rather than a recommendation engine so we don't necessarily look at similarities between you and other people so when you look at Amazon uh, and you look at another book then there is like recommended books that are similar to the ones that you're initially looking mm -hmm. at that's not always the case that matching works in an event context because I have a very different goal, and I don't want to meet the people that are similar to me, but most of the time the people that are actually the opposite of me. If I'm an exhibitor at an uh, uh, advertising technology event, then I want to meet um, big corporates that could be my potential clients. I don't want to meet other like partners, preferably. Sure, I want yeah. Meet yeah. clients. So I think that that's a very big difference between recommendation engine and a matchmaking engine. That's really where our strength lies. It's, it's very, very generic as a layer, and it mainly takes the networking intent to figure that out. So it tries to figure out what is the intent and how can the agent um, make sure it recommends people that satisfy that specific intent of the user. Um, I'm, I'm keen to talk a, a little bit about the, the data integrity side of things and making sure that people are almost put at ease because yeah. most of us now will be familiar and, and comfortable with the concept of our data being used and our habits being analyzed, so to speak. So when we're on the internet, everybody's been there where you get the adverts pop up on, on Google and it relates to previous searches that you've done or recommends, as you said, certain products, um, mm -hmm. certain services we might be interested in. But from an integrity point of view, how do we protect the personal information that's being used to make these recommendations via the GRIP service? So I, th I think that for us, data integrity is very, very important, and also data protection, is which is kind of two separate things. And I think on data protection, which is about making sure that people's uh, information is securely stored, is that our system is very secure um, from the get-go. It's used by the UK government as well, and they have a quite a strict process. We're talking to some banks as well, mm -hmm. very strict as well in what kind of data protection is needed in order to work with them. So that's very secure for us. But also, I think on the data integrity side is also making sure that everything is uh, stored appropriately, which is especially an issue for, for big organizers that have multiple events. 
uh, is that, well, one app provider might use first name and last name and the other one might just have name. Uh, and there are so many mm. things like that, yeah. that data gets um, into very different formatted and, and becomes quite corrupt and that makes it more difficult to any, any form of analytics afterwards. So we look a lot at how we can make sure that the integrity layer is improved as I think that will be a key component moving forward for the event industry. And, and how, how is the data being shared? Because post-event, organizers will want to get their hands on the data to see how people have behaved. The app providers themselves will want to have a look at the data to see how uh, they performed. How is that data being shared? And are we moving any closer to a standardized way of sharing that where everybody is going to agree on a format that works and, and how it can be transferred from place to place? So we're actually going to be launching a, a, a public API quite soon. I'm, 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 I don't know exactly when this is going to be published, but it's going to be interesting because uh, we're going to be launching an API that is um, free for registration providers to integrate with and makes us uh, kind of like a central place where all providers can tap into to have this common data uh, source that provides an integra integral uh, layer for everybody to integrate with. And I think that on the data protection side, it's very important that um, when we don't share like um, messaging and things like that, that is like, that's private where people talk about. The main things that we look at and share with, uh, for example, the events organizer is the networking intent and how well that was satisfied. Let's say I'm going to a conference, I'm looking to meet um, investors uh, in the venture capital, uh, venture capital industry here in London, uh, and then they can see, all right, Tim had 100% intent of trying to meet with those people, but only resulted in talking to two of them. Well, what could the event do and how could we make sure that I have a better experience by looking at, well, how can we make sure that people like Tim uh, actually meet more of, uh, of the people that fit his intent? Um, so I think that's the main way that we look at it. How can event uh, organizers improve their event uh, and make sure that everybody has a better networking experience? Do you support the analyzing of that, of that or how detailed do you support the, anal uh, the analytics side of things post-event? Because there is so much data flying around now and so much information that event organizers could and have been just so snowed under with so much information and data, they don't really know how to break it down and mm -hmm. actually understand how it can impact on future events. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's exactly comes to my point of saying it is this reasoning layer that an AI provides is that rather than just presenting it to you, it should be about the system itself improving based on the data that becomes available to it. And I think that's really what we see at an, as an exciting development is the more um, inputs we can have, the better the system will become and the better your event will become because of that. On the side of us providing insights to, to the organizer, we're currently just looking at it at an aggregate level. Mm -hmm. So just saying, well, the, the group of people that work in startups or work in event technology and are interested in meeting event organizers had um, a score of 80% uh, in terms of uh, how successful they were at meeting event organizers. Um, here are some ways to improve it. So I think that's for us that we try to provide not just statistics, but we really provide an inside layer and then also actions that could be taken by the organizer. And that all comes from our engine. On a, a ground level mm -hmm. perspective, yeah. how would a visitor or a delegate actually engage and, and, and utilize the artificial intelligence within the grip process? Again, either through your own app or through a, a third party provider. Yeah, so it's, it's very, very simple. Um, you 
go into either the event app or, or our own apps and you simply log in with, uh, with Facebook or LinkedIn and afterwards uh, we join you to, uh, join you to the event. Um, and then you're simply capable of starting swiping through other people that are recommended to you. So you'll get a, uh, a user presented to you uh, and you can either swipe interested if you would like to meet that person or skip if you would not be interested in meeting that person. Um, a connection will only be established if the other person also swipes interested on you. So all swipes mm -hmm. that you make are anonymous. It's kind of like the Tinder style yeah. uh, networking experience. And we see that works really, really well in making sure that the connections that we establish uh, are extremely valuable and both parties are actually interested in meeting. So it's very quickly to be able to go through uh, quite a couple of profiles. For example, at CanLine, we saw that more than 300 uh, profiles were viewed uh, on average by every attendee, which is uh, a huge number um, on average across all people. So it's, um, it's very interesting to see how much engagement there is in this way and how many connections we're capable of establishing, which was 8.2 per, uh, per attendee at Can. When, when somebody actually wants to make a connection, so you, yeah. have, you have two, let's call them delegates at a, at a conference, uh, we'll, we'll take that as a scenario. When they've established that they w have commonality and they think actually it would be really good to speak to that person, mm -hmm. is there any level of, of um, sort of beacon technology from uh, you know, a, a navigation point of view to actually be able to establish where that person is? How is the contact made? And if you're in a really, really large exhibition venue, how would you actually find that connection physically? So in the Grip apps, we have something called Newware, which is a uh, peer-to-peer Bluetooth low energy solution that enables you to see which one of the connections that you've made, so it's only for the connection that you've made, which one of those is nearby. Um, and that relies on the Bluetooth chip that is actually in your phone, so no physical or hardware beacons are required for that. Um, but I think that, for example, EventBase is a good example of someone that uses a lot of uh, beacon technology as well as ITM Mobile. Um, and they are responsible for that part. Mm -hmm. So they are looking at indoor navigation and indoor mapping, right? Yeah. So they would be able to um, show you, well, the connections you've made, this is where those people are. Um, that's something that we leave up to the events that provide where they can differentiate themselves again. We just established a connection between those two people and currently we just set up a chat. So people can just message each other and say, well, I'm over here, uh, you wanna come up and meet. We also see that the app is used much more before and also after the event. So we see that by using Grip, attendees get involved earlier in the event because they will already wanna start networking as well as they stay engaged longer. So we have some very strong proof points to support that. And that people already have several connections made before the event is even started. How active are your clients that you've worked with so far in promoting the idea of this artificial intelligence being used to help them make good contacts at, comp at, at, at events? Because presumably the better they are at telling people what experience they could have, the higher amount of downloads they're gonna get in, uh, of the actual event app. Um, I suppose what I'm asking is, has the service had a positive impact on, on engagement with the actual event apps and, and have they done that by promoting it in advance of the events? Yeah, so it's a very good question. Um, we, first of all, 55% of all people that use a technolo technology uh, say in after event surveys that they've made a connection that they would not have made otherwise, which is a very, very high percentage of people. Mm -hmm. um, on your point of adoption is that when we've been deployed as, as a networking feature, we can see that um, for example, I can lie in that um, people open the app 32 times on average, which is, which is extremely high. Mm -hmm. um, and so we see a lot of potential by combining the, the, the networking functionality that we have with the great adoption that existing event apps have. 
Um, so some event apps, I think that the industry benchmark uh, now goes uh, above 60%. I think the average is somewhere between 40 and 60. Conferences is, is significantly higher than trade shows. Uh, yeah. It yeah. depends a lot, of course, on the event and how the event organizer promotes it. But I think that events app providers have, have a great, um, great information on that and how to do that better. We're simply going to be an added feature that is resulting in even more engagement inside the app before, during, and after the event. Is is the system very much geared uh, on a peer-to-peer -peer basis in the sense that this is about getting one delegate to interact and meet with another delegate, or does it have any sort of application whereby visitors to a trade show could actually source suppliers or exhibitors within that particular trade show, and vice versa? Could exhibitors actually use the the system to source visitors to the event that they may wish to, to target? I think it's a great question again. I think that currently we've mainly focused on the peer-to-peer -peer level, but we're going to be introducing something called categories for uh, four years from now, which is not four years from now, but it's part. Of it's mm -hmm. an event that is part of Mobile World Congress with about 10,000 attendees. So it's a really big uh, event, and they have categories for everybody there. So they have sponsors and startups and investors and uh, all other forms. I think it's like 10 categories in total. So similar to a trade show where you have yeah. exhibitors and, and delegates. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody's category, and then we're going to put that into the matchmaking engine. And we're going to see on uh, like an extra dimension, basically, where we see, right, which categories are interested in each other. The next step for us is making sure that the event organizer is capable of tweaking that to start out with mm -hmm. to improve uh, the algorithms on the beginning. So they're saying, well, we are um, seeing that there is a high tendency for exhibitors to be interested in delegates. And so, okay, then we'll take that into consideration and we'll make sure that we present a lot more delegates to exhibitors than we would uh, present other parties. And so that's how we can kind of skew the matchmaking engine to start with. I think we don't want to do that too much because it would impact the learning capabilities and the kind mm, of the way sure. to yeah. uh, personalize the experience for the individual attendee, but it can improve the, the matchmaking engine on a, on a like for specific use cases. Um, is that something that you anticipate will be slow in, in terms of how it's adopted by, by users? Because there is still this hesitancy in the exhibition industry um, amongst visitors, there seems to be sort of this strange dynamic where people go to visit a trade show, but yet don't like being sold to, if you follow me. So they'll walk around, and if somebody steps out into the aisle to hand them some information or try to speak to them, they run away from them really quickly or dodge out the way. Is, do, do you anticipate there being any sort of hesitancy at all when you try to present the service as something that suppliers and buyers could potentially use to meet each other? I think the key thing here is that, well, again, I'm, I'm going to come back to the dating example, where we see that in the same way with, with, with dating, of course, and Tinder has completely, and, and other dating apps mm. have completely revolutionized that. Uh, and that is the same thing that I think is going to happen here. I think, actually, it's going to be way more comfortable for a visitor to be able to go onto a platform where they can anonymously swipe interest on the exhibitors they would like to meet meet and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be much more interesting and much more uh, personalized for all parties involved. And I think it will result in a much more, much better experience at the trade show floor because an exhibitor probably already has more meetings lined up already. They know that they have great visibility online on the, on the digital component of the, uh, of the trade show and that will improve the, the overall experience. So I think 
that there won't be any hesitance to to adopt it. It's just about probably educating mm-hmm. the 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 the, u- the attendee of how this actually works and make sure that the anonymous part of it is clear to them. And and in some respects, it strikes me as something that actually provides better quality contact data yeah, when it comes to the sales process between, as I said, supplier and buyer in, in yeah. that dynamic. Because a lot of um, a lot of companies and suppliers listening to this who have been to any form of trade show in the past will know that there's it's actually quite easy nowadays to capture data. You know, you can have a barcode scanner and just scan everybody's badge. And great, so you walk away from the exhibition after three days and you have 500 people that you've scanned, but maybe only... 20 of them are, are going to actually be serious seriously interested in your product yeah you know so uh, uh, you know scanning the data and getting yeah, yeah. it is okay exactly. in one respect but if most of those people are not really interested then there's no point now with this going back to this both parties have to be interested in one another in order for the information to be shared so it strikes me as something that's actually producing better quality contacts ultimately. Exactly, we focus a lot on quality as opposed to quantity when it comes to the amount of connections that we establish. And I also think that it's a key component for us to make sure that we get faster and faster at establishing those connections. I think that technology should provide a way to make sure that people meet more and better face-to-face rather than uh, having people look at their phones only. So Mm. it's about establishing those connections faster and in a more efficient way so people can actually have better conversations at the event. Going back to the integration uh, aspect of it, when a third-party app provider wants to use the API to integrate with their own, is that a permanent deal once it's happened? Does it get licensed on an event-by-event basis? Um, or is it, you know, one, once an, an app provider has said, look, we would like to integrate the grip service within our own app, is that it deal done and they can use it then for the rest of their, their existence? Um, so it's currently it's on an event-by-event basis. Mm-hmm. Um, we will most likely move to a kind of like a, a usage-based API form, and that's already the, the deals that we're doing now with some, like, for example, the UK government and uh, SmartUp, this learning and development platform that we work with for for corporate knowledge sharing because you have explicit and tacit knowledge. So tacit knowledge is what is in people's mind mm-hmm. within big corporates. And in order to actually connect people with each other, that's what you need to you need people to sit down face to face and talk about that. So we're going to facilitate those connections as well. Uh, same thing here is that um, currently it's on an event by event basis. Potentially it is going to be a per user per month on how much the event that provider uses our API. How 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 much deeper could we go with this? I mean, are we just scratching the surface of what AI can do in this particular context? Um, is, is it really a case of people becoming more involved in how much information they're sharing during an event in order for the system to actually work and provide even better, more sophisticated and, and, and better quality matchups? Um, w- what are the plans for the future and where could this be taken? I don't think that necessarily more data sharing is needed in order to provide even better experiences with AI. I think that it's more about the system becoming more advanced and the right like dynamics being in place. But I think what we could take it, what I see three years from now, uh, I want to see a point where I go to a, to a, to an event and uh, a system recommends me that these are the 10 people I should meet. The meetings have been set up, uh, the timings have been arranged. Then it says there is five sessions that I should attend. And this is all one system that simply recommends that to me. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of what I see as the future, uh, a very simple uh, interface that is, instead of being about recommendation engines and us, a system pushing information towards us. So we've gone from a pull 
where we do we type something into Google, uh, we do a Google search instead. Now we look at feeds all the time. We look at our Twitter feed, we look at our Facebook feed, we look at our Instagram feed, and all those feeds are pushing information towards us. The next step with uh, chatbots and, 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 and anticipatory computing is that systems are going to be capable of anticipating what we want to do next. Mm -hmm. It's going to say, well, when I leave here, it's going to recommend me that I get a sandwich and where <laughs> I should get that sandwich because it knows what, what I like. Uh, and so that's, I think, the level of, um, of, of what I see happening in three to five years. Geographically, which, which areas are you working in? Um, it, it sounds uh, as if you've got representation and have worked with clients on a, on a global level. I'm curious to find out whereabouts you've worked with clients and which particular sectors or geographical locations may have been quick to adopt this and which ones have been slower. Um, I'm always curious to know who is sort of pushing who and which, which parts of the world are really sort of driving technology like this. I think it depends a lot on the event. I'm sometimes really amazed. For example, World Economic Forum got in touch with us and I'm like, wow, really? And so we were the only outside technology provider of the World Economic Forum in 2015. Um, so like, um, it's very interesting to see um, that sometimes it comes from someone that you least expect. So I think that uh, what we currently see is that we have a lot of tech events, we have a lot of media and uh, creative events that are using our technology from Europe and, uh, and the States. Um, uh, we've also done events in Chile, we've done events in Brazil, um, we've done yeah, a lot of places where, where our technology has been used. And when you look at how you're going to continue to market this as a service, are there any other events this year that you're going to be involved in, that you're going to be making announcements about new developments or, or showcasing the product? Yeah, we've, we've quite a couple of events actually. We have, um, there's quite, so at, at Exchanger is a, is a very, uh, very good client of us that we've worked with with several events now that has another one uh, coming up soon. Then we have um, Mapic, which mm -hmm. is a uh, read show in, in Cannes that we're working with together with Gumeo. Um, then we have um, yeah, quite, quite a lot of shows, as several others in the coming months. I, I'm curious to, 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 to ask whether or not you've been able to determine and analyze the actual monetary value of business that's been done as a result of using the GRIP platform. Um, have you been able to establish that in any way? We're, we're trying to get there, but I can't like accurately say mm. how much value we've generated. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to say. It's like for some trade shows, it's easier because the value is monetary at the show itself. Yeah. But for conferences, most of the time, those connections might become relevant. Uh, yeah. two years later yeah. Like yeah and and so I think for example uh, at slush a big tech event in Helsinki last year uh, I'm, I met uh, someone that is now a very good friend of mine here in London um, and so we hang out like weekly uh, and so I would not have met that person if it wasn't for our app and so I think there is no monetary value that I can put on that but it made my event experience very a lot more a lot better and worth it for me to go there again this year. So I think that those are also the kind of connections that you sometimes have to look at. It's very difficult mm -hmm. to put a monetary value on all connections that are established at an event. And ultimately, a lot of event organizers will, will say that their ultimate aim is to give the best possible experience exactly. to their visitors or yeah. delegates, you know? Yeah. And there is no value that you can put on that if somebody walks away from your event with a fantastic experience. Um, we're gonna wrap up today's episode right on time. Um, Let's give our thanks, first of all, to Tim Group from Grip. Tem Tim, thanks for coming in and, and talking to us today. Thank you very much Fascinating for Fascinating subject. If people want to find out more about Grip, where can they go? How can they find you? 
www.grip.events. That's our website. Easy to find them. For now, we're going to wrap up today's episode of Talking Events. Um, been discussing the subject of artificial intelligence, as I said, with Tin Group uh, co-founder and CEO from Grip. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, you've been listening to Talking Events. My name's James Dixon. Mm-hmm.